the Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. We'll be featuring lots of discussion about Apple's announcements of a iPad mini, a new fourth generation iPad, a new iMac, and lots more. Also, Windows 8 and the Surface Tablet launch this week. Our guest list includes John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com, and Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, and we're going to cover, very large extent, Apple's announcements and the ramifications thereof. Now, I think the first thing we should talk about, because I read this peculiar article about the frequency with which Apple has upgraded the iPad. So they were complaining that Apple should not have upgraded the iPad, the new iPad, to the, what, new, new iPad? No, 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 the iPad with Retina display. But they're both Retina Display, the third and fourth generation. Isn't that the interesting and fun part? (laughs) That's right. So in any case, the new iPad or the new new iPad, they complain that Apple shouldn't do this in seven months, that the exclusivity of the product is destroyed if Apple doesn't upgrade it every year. Does that sound dumb to you? It sounds absolutely dumb. And in fact, only an hour ago, I tweeted about that because uh, the esteemed Sasha Sagan wrote a great article about that just a little while ago. Yeah, why angry iPad 3 owners are being stupid. And it's true. The language he used was very polite. He doesn't scream and yell. He's just cool. Listen to his wonderful wording. He said, the insane idea is that every Apple product buyer gets a magical year-long period during which they are a special snowflake with the best device ever. And it goes on from there. Yeah. Now, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of dealers, if you bought an iPad within the past 30 days, will allow you to return it and get the new one. Oh, sure. If it's within that period and it's in good condition, I'm sure. Well, that's what's uh, going to happen. People will decide they want the new, new iPad. That's the standard fare. You know, sure. I mean, yeah. Apple will work with those people. Sure. Yeah, they'll take them back. They'll refurbish them. They'll sell them at a discount. And they'll still make more money than anybody else on the planet. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think Sasha was pointing at people who wanted to always be the kid on the block with the greatest, latest toy, and they're a little annoyed that this new product came out um, earlier than they had anticipated, and they don't have the newest toy anymore. Oh, gee whiz. Well, it looks yeah. the same. I mean, if, <laughs> you know, if you don't look at the bottom, the difference between the dock connector and the lightning connector, you can't tell the difference. Yes, it may perform better, but it looks the same. Here's what I asked myself. Is there any software that can exploit the new iPad 4 that I cannot review. And I don't know of any software yet. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, reviewing software, there's no problem on the iPad 3. And plus, one of the things that pisses me off about the iPad series is that there's a one speaker. uh, And in the portable position, it's kind of muffled sitting on your lap. And uh, everybody else is doing stereo speakers. So I thought to myself, well, let's see. I can review all the software I need to. Maybe Apple will come around one of these days and do stereo speakers. One of the big Uh, features of the iPad 5. Yeah, the naming convention of the iPad is enough to drive you nuts because just looking at the announcement for it, how do you separate the third generation from the fourth generation? 
Well, the third generation disappears. Uh, I, I think that's because Apple wants to be able to amortize what they invested in the iPad 2 and continue to sell that at a discount. Uh, we understand that. We're talking about if you don't look at the specs. Yeah. You don't look at the specs. How do you now know whether you're getting iPad, third generation, iPad, fourth generation? Well, from time to time, Apple in its nomenclature has referred to the new iPad as a third generation device and its online store in order to distinguish it, which makes it even more interesting. So now it'll be a fourth uh, generation device. Yeah, and and I think that you know if you buy an iPad at an Apple store after uh, uh, the time that it ships, then you know you know what you've got. Um, well, I, I haven't, know, I haven't obviously, seen it. if you understand the difference between the Lightning port and the dock connector. Well, there you go. There you go. That's an easy way to distinguish the two. In case somebody's selling you one, or some somebody like direct. Somebody like uh, Best Buy has one in stock, and they're not sure. And they won't tell you if they were sure. Just look at it. Right. That's why Best Buy has problems. But, okay, now looking at this, I think the only criticism one makes is that this was a simple change except for the lightning port and the front-facing camera. Everything is just swapping out the internal parts for better internal parts. Kind of like the standard Mac refresh. Some suggested when is Apple going to make it thinner and lighter? I, I don't I think an that's coming that. because of the battery life. I think because of that retina display and and the power of the processor in there, you're not going to see a, a thinner. Yes, you will. When Apple iPad. goes to Incel technology on the iPad, oh, like well, they did you, with the iPhone five, it will be yeah. slightly thinner. Yeah, slightly that'll give wider. you a, what two tenths of a millimeter or something like hey, that. Hey, you know, a millimeter. Look, <laughs> look at the look at the iMac though. They advertise five millimeters, but if you look at the center of it, it sort of thickens. Yeah, we, we had a big article about that at the Mac Observer, and I got monster page views. Now, what's the question here is, how thick is it at the middle? It's five millimeters at the edge. In the middle, how much thicker is it, 10 millimeters? Oh, it looks to me like it could be two inches or more in the middle where the ah. uh, stand attaches. It's pretty bulbous in there. Yeah. So it's called the Bulbous 2012 iMac. <laughs> that aluminum bezel on the outside is very clever. It makes it look thin. I saw a tweet earlier in the day that says, you know, I don't pick up my iMac and carry it around with me. So what's the point? Well, I just moved, as you know. So I had to move from the house to a hotel for a few days until the new place was ready. And I could schedule moving people. So I had threw it in my original shipping box for the 27-inch iMac. And I lugged it, it's 28 pounds plus the case, about 32 pounds. And I had to lug it from house to car, from car to hotel, from hotel Ah, to car, and car to the new place. It's awkward, even though you have a carrying handle, it still feels heavier than it should be. I mean, part of it is, because of the bulk, it's not as easy to carry in your hands, like with a Mac Pro. I could carry a Mac Pro more easily than the iMac, the 27-inch version. Yeah, I, I can imagine a, a student, uh, a young woman who weighs 110 pounds, having a pretty hard time managing to carry that thing into the local Apple retail store for service. That would be a little bit awkward. Yeah. Have to get a boyfriend to carry it for her. <laughs> That's the answer. That's the answer. See, my wife is 5 feet tall, weighs 97 pounds, and guess what she does? Yep. You get to do it. <laughs> oh, I hurt my back this time. It wasn't so much fun. Hey, let's look at the iPad mini. Now, it's reached the point, I guess, that 
the rumor mills are always going to guess most of what Apple is doing. Part of the reason is because the supply chain, right? Too much information gets out there. There's no way to keep it secret anymore. I think that's right. I thought it was interesting that uh, Apple uh, sort of went along with the uh, the, the uh, analyst's choice. I think it was Mr. White. I can't remember his first name who uh, said he coined the name iPad Mini a long time ago. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting Apple to give it a slightly different, more technical name. iPad Mini sounds eh, kind of non-technical, kind of soft. Well, that's what they did with the iPod. Yes. Before it became a Nano, and then became we had a the I- We did have the iPod Mini. That's right. right. So, but it didn't have that. Addition. Yeah, but the iPod didn't have the same uh, connotations of feminine hygiene as iPad Mini does, and oh, that's yes. been already commented on by Jay Leno. And I thought Apple wouldn't go there and give it some sort of interesting technical name like iPad Seven or iPad Air. Both would have been. Well, you pretty see, with cool. iPad Air, someone would say, "Okay, it's the iPad Hot Air from Apple." Yeah. Well, you- in any case, I thought it was interesting that Apple sort of adopted uh, the, the, the common name. Yeah, right. that was that was interesting. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Neighbors, here's what I believe. I believe to be successful in business, you need to be able to meet with your team on a regular basis, wherever you are. So discuss plans, for example, share ideas and bring them to life. But with clients and colleagues working from different offices or on the go, meeting face-to-face is not often possible. That is, unless you use GoToMeeting with HD Faces, the powerfully simple way to meet and collaborate with your team online. You know, GoToMeeting with HD Faces gives your team the ability to share the same screen, making it easier to be on the same page. I want you neighbors to try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait. Check this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Be sure to use the promo code PODCAST. Go to meeting. Meeting is believing, neighbors. Go to meeting.com. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. 
big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you, has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927, 866-229-0927, or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com UtopiaSilver.com believes, as the Declaration of Independence states, that our rights come from God, not from government. The only lawful purpose of any government is to protect and secure the rights of the people, and no man or government has the authority to take what has been given to us by God. Among these rights are life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness. And America's government has ceased to be the protector of liberty and of the people's God-given rights. But we, the people, can return America to greatness if we are willing to stand up and reassert our stolen rights. We ask that you join Utopia Silver in changing America's course in history. To save on health care and improve your health, call Utopia Silver at 888-213-4338. For a limited time, new customers will receive 50% off all colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver, utopiasilver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Owl Live. Your host, Gene Steinberg, nursing the bad back from that move. And I was picking up cartons, and I was picking up tables, and we had the worst moving company on the planet, or maybe the next to worst. Really, they just threw everything into the new place, didn't position any of the large file cabinets or any of the big pieces of furniture. So my wife and I had to do it ourselves. And I exercise every day. I work out six days a week, almost every day. I do the push-ups, and I do the sit-ups, and I do the workouts with some weights. So I keep in reasonably good shape. But it was too much too fast. Let's get back to iPad mini pricing. Big debate there because we have the Google Nexus 7 for $199, the Amazon Kindle Fire HD for $199. These are 7-inch widescreen tablets. So Apple comes out with 7.9 inches. The reverse of the big iPad, which is 9.7. Isn't that interesting? They come out with the iPad mini for 329 Now, I heard estimates here of build cost around $200. So that profit margin is actually not that high for Apple. Well, you're going from 200 to 329 is certainly acceptable. Today, I published an article about my thoughts on pricing for education. Yes, it's true that Apple will sell everyone that they make. 
Yes, it's good that they're going to make a lot of money on them. Um, there's no question that Apple has a history of making premium products. The issue during the last year, however, has been twofold. One, there was such an opening in Apple's product line last Christmas that Amazon drove a truck through it uh, with a $199 Kindle Fire. So we have been contemplating Apple's marketplace reaction to that. And then the other issue that's come up is, is that the iPad 7 looks like a perfect item for uh, smaller kids, K-12, through uh, school children who cannot afford a, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollar monster iPad. And it's too heavy anyway. And parents can't afford them to give to their grade school students. So there was a perfect opportunity here for Apple to uh, come out with a, an iPad mini or whatever that would be directed at education in, in a very affordable kind of way. So we carried forward with those two memes for the year. And then what does Apple do? They come out with a premium priced iPad that's much too expensive for most families with kids in school, not university students. I'm talking about, you know, K through 12 and which doesn't really slam the door on the $199 iPads. And it's kind of puzzling in that regard. Now, there's lots of people out there with lots of money and they'll scarf these up. But my article took a different approach. And I said, hey, wait a minute. There's something to be gained here in the education market by stepping in and making a statement and helping students afford these these smaller iPads. Apple chose not to do that. Um, and I thought that the uh, speaking out of one side of the mouth, uh, lauding and promoting the educational element, and then on the other hand, pricing it out of range for a lot of American families struggling with their finances and coming out of this recession, there was a, a bit of an affront. And so I wrote about that. Okay, so if Apple has to sell it for three twenty nine to make a reasonable profit, oh, I don't admit that. Okay, so at that point, should Apple have said no? We'll take the loss and make it two seventy nine. Well, first of all, Apple has a very mature manufacturing capability, and they're using parts that have been around for a while. So I'm I'm dubious that that Apple priced this item desperately uh, in order to eke out a profit, because when it comes to time. For the earnings report, we find out what Apple's gross margins are, and Apple likes to maintain these very healthy gross margins on their products. So the point was is that there was a lot of analyst, investment analyst enthusiasm for a product that could uh, seize the seven-inch market, uh, make life difficult for the competitors, be a joy to young students who could afford one in the in the in the mid to low two hundred range with student discounts. And Apple didn't do that. Instead, it was business as usual, a very premium-priced product for a non-premium-funded market. Now, remember, this has a third larger screen real estate than the 7-inch tablets. Now, also, when you look at the educational pricing, what are they saving? $50? I doubt it. I think last time I was involved, I saw educational pricing at modest levels at around 7, 8, 9%. So at most, it would be two ninety-nine, at best. At best. Okay. So maybe Apple will give a special deal to schools. If you buy a hundred or a thousand, we'll give it to you for two seventy nine or something. You don't know what Apple could do. They could do that and still leave the retail consumer pricing the same. Oh, the problem is is that is that K through twelve schools in this country are hard pressed for money. The tax revenue is not coming in. It's still not coming in. The schools can't afford massive purchases, by and large, except for a few notable wealthy schools. 
so that as a result, the schools aren't thinking about going out and making mass purchases for their students like big organizations do with millions of dollars and thousands of purchases. These small and rural schools and even mid-sized schools are thinking, how are we going to afford both the iPad and all the Wi-Fi support and the bandwidth into the building so that we can have hundreds of students all going on at the same time and security? And are we going to send these iPads home with students where they'll do what they please with them, maybe look at the wrong things on the Internet, break them, drop them, lose them, then what do we do? It's a monstrous issue. And so schools are thinking, well, really, maybe we can put the burden on the family. It's called BYOD. You've heard of that. Now, how is the families going to afford $700 for two iPads for their kids in school, plus tax, plus other uh, costs? You know, you're looking at a lot of money there. A family of four making $50,000 a year can't even think about buying two of these iPad minis for their kids in school. Well, I guess we'll have to see how sales go. If Apple still sells as many as they can build... Oh, they will. They will. Course, sell them. It's still Apple could still go to school systems and <laughs> offer this complete environment with the textbooks and everything and say, we'll give you a better price. You know, as I said, Apple could still, sure, in volume purchases, say, okay, it's 279 or 269 Suddenly, it's not that much of a premium over the Nexus 7. Oh, I don't see Apple making uh, exceptionally overt uh, corporate decisions to assist with schools. The, the, the motivation more is to you know, price their products at a premium rate, make small concessions, and rake in a lot of money. And that's okay. They've been doing that for a long time. But in my particular editorial here, I thought, you know, this would be a good opportunity for Apple to show its real commitment to education with designing a product that could be priced properly. You know, this is a full-blown iPad. There's nothing missing. It's got a fast processor. It's got uh, two very good cameras. It's got the Wi-Fi. It's got the capability uh, built in for a cellular. Now, this is a first-class premium-grade tablet in a smaller form. As Jonathan Ive said, not smaller, but more concentrated. So as, as a result, it's really more like a gem a high-priced, valuable jewel as opposed to a product designed for people who can't afford a, a, an expensive big iPad. For well, the other thing about the iPad Mini is for some people, the size is more convenient for getting the price. But look at the size of the unit. That's true. Look at the convenience of oh, I'm not. A, I'm not arguing any of that at all. I'll tell you what, we have to argue this, this very important point on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. Here it comes, another cold and flu season. Get ready for it and save now during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't be without powerful natural flu fighters like elderberry power capsules. They support the immune system and they have antiviral properties. Another powerful antiviral is olive leaf capsules, highly recommended by Herbal Healer Academy. Also on sale is Physician Strength Oregacillin, a savior for the lungs. It fights bacteria, virus, and fungus. Our famous four herb capsules are a gentle liver cleanser and can be taken daily. Also featured this winter are the homeopathic detoxes, liver, kidney, lung, lymph, whole body, and brain detox on sale. And remember, as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us, and we're talking about the iPad Mini. He suggests that 329 Apple missed the boat. Apple will make plenty of profits, but maybe Apple could have kept the price what? Two ninety nine, two seventy nine. Who knows? Uh, Wall Street analysts were hoping for two forty nine to two seventy nine, and they didn't get it, and they were annoyed. And Apple stock took a big plunge. Uh, so much for Wall Street. If the sales and profits are good, you'll see how that works out. But let's look at another topic here: Apple's fantastic year of products. Look at all the products that came out this year. We have two iPads plus an iPad Mini. 
everything's been refreshed finally, except for the Mac Pro. Even that got a minor processor change. We got the iPhone 5. We have the new iMac, the 2012 iMac, which is very intriguing to me for a reason I'll tell you about in a moment. But one of the things that I don't care about is the fact that it doesn't have an optical drive. Or audio in, we've discovered. No audio in. So what do you do if I have to use an analog mixer with audio in and out? I'm not sure yet. Jason Snell was the first person to uh, note it on Twitter. I have not yet investigated the impact of that. We've got some audio specialists at the Mac Observer, so I'll be asking them about that. I need to know because I require audio in and out for a lot of what I do. I mean, more audio in. The out I can, you know, work out. But more audio in analog. But I'd like Uh, to be able to put a headset uh, on the iMac and not on the mixer because the mixer is not going to pick the sounds that come from Skype, for example. I don't know about that. Uh, Tell me what you find out. I'll be very interested. I'll explore it and we'll take a look. Of course, the products won't ship until November and December. We'll have to see. The one thing that intrigues me is something that's also available on the Mac Mini. This is Apple's variation of a theme called a hybrid drive. Now, a hybrid drive is very simple. A fixed hard drive with a small flash memory cache. And the theory is here is that flash memory is very expensive. Probably, what, 8, 10 times more per gigabyte than traditional hard drives. So you buy 128 gigabytes, 256, it's fine. You get to the larger capacities, you know, you can get the big capacity 786 gigabyte drives for, what, over $1,000. It's insane. You buy a terabyte traditional hard drive for, what, 100, 100 a quarter. Well, now, let's slow down here. Let's think about that. A terabyte drive for $100 is a great deal. Yes, it is. And it's a very low price. I mean, it's unfathomable 10 years ago that we would have terabyte drives in our machines. What have we got now? We've got the opportunity for maybe a 256 gigabyte drive for three or $400, which is where we were a while back. You know, I'll take a look at that right now. So, so for example, so, for example, here's Otherworld Computing, you know, Larry O'Connor's company. Uh-huh. And they have two different types of solid-state drives. And they have pretty competitive prices, about as competitive as you get. You get 240 gigabytes for prices ranging from $241.99 to $299.99. So roughly $240 to $300. That's for AT is $500 to $600. It suddenly gets crazy. Now, Apple actually also has a drive for what, 786 gigabytes. That's going to cost an arm, leg, and a foot. Yeah, nobody's going to It's a lot. That. So the theory being here is that with the hybrid drive, you get the storage of a large fixed hard drive, and you also get most of the speed of the solid-state drive. So if we look, for example, I'm going to look for it right now, the upgrade. If we look at a MacBook Pro with Retina display, and you want to upgrade the standard drive, and I'm looking at the expensive model now. Let's look at the cheap model, the 2199 model, which has... 256 gigabytes flash storage. To get to 512, you add $500. They're a lot more expensive than other world computing. To get to 768, you add $1,000. Okay? Now, Fusion Drive is a variation on the hybrid theme. The way Fusion Drive works is it intelligently, using the operating system, moves the most frequently used apps and files to the solid-state storage, 128 gigabytes. So we're talking about an intelligent scheme, which is, I guess, the big thing. It's something that started based on things in OS 10.7 and 10.8. This is how they allow you to do that. 
So it's very intriguing. And the cost, according to the Mac Mini pricing, which I'm basing it on, it's $250 extra for the Fusion Drive, which is, as I said, is a terabyte drive with 128 gigabytes of solid state storage. I have my doubts about the whole thing. All right, you I'm have your doubts. You don't think skeptical. You're skeptical. Apple I says am. this is going to be most of the performance we haven't of a solid state. And, you know, a terabyte we, solid state drive is crazy. No, 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 no. We need to think about the nuances of backups. We need to think about the nuances of failures in the systems. So you got a time machine backup. Your mechanical drive fails, as it might. You have to put a new mechanical drive in there. Uh, I've talked to some people who've had some difficulties lately with that in iTunes. Uh, is it, do you have to buy a certain kind of drive to marry to that system? Uh, well, here's what, the key here. In theory, from what I understand... The drive is recognized as a single mechanism, a single volume, both the solid-state component and the hard drive fixed component. So in theory, you could replace it with a fixed terabyte hard drive and restore from Time Machine or from an external backup like Carbon Copy Cloner or Super Duper, and it'll restore perfectly fine. Time will tell whether there are nuances and issues with this. Okay, And we should all be getting away from spinning drives as our boot drive anyway. Apple's been pushing this business for a long time. All the MacBook Airs, the MacBook Pros, they all have flash drives. You know, our, our iPads have flash drives. Why is it all of a sudden Apple's in love with rotating terabyte drives? Does well, it make it's sense? It's a matter of cost. So, for example, they do have, or they have in the past, had an iMac configuration where you get a 256 gigabyte solid state drive and the standard terabyte or two terabyte fixed hard drive. So you get two drives. That is the way they handle it. It's a very expensive option, but that's how they've handled it up to now. This supposedly combines the best of both. The operating system is always in the flash part. Of the drive. I don't. I don't think that's the way to go. I think the way to go is to have an SSD internal, which is very reliable, and then have an external Thunderbolt or FireWire drive uh, that you can pick up, move around, lock up, replace whatever, and you don't have to take your iMac apart. I'm just. I'm just very. No, I understand that. It. But if I'm going to spend two thousand bucks or more for a 27-inch iMac with a better processor, and they've got another processor upgrade, and I add memory, and suddenly I'm at $2,400, $2,500. I'm committing to spend that amount of money. And then I say I can get a Fusion drive for a couple of 50 more, 250 more. I get the Fusion drive. That makes sense then, but there's going to be a point in time where you'll be able to get a 500 gigabyte or a terabyte solid-state drive I for think just it's a few hundred dollars. I, I think it's a short-term move. I think it's yes, it is. Ex, uh, expedient. I think it's unwise, technically. I, I think that uh, customers, in my opinion, would be better off with one solid-state internal boot drive, whatever they can afford, and then attach external storage as necessary. I really don't like 256 gigabytes, which is a pretty sensible thing. That's That's enough usually for your OS and most of your apps. There you go. Let your documents be on the fixed drive. Sure, sure. And that way you can lock it up, you can move it, you can. Because one of the things that you want to be able to do is if you've got um, a time machine drive, you want to have an external drive anyway so that you can. Would anyway. Sure. I do. I have. Right? Well, my particular layout on the 2009 iMac, I have. A one terabyte hard drive, 
FireWire 800 because this is pre-Thunderbolt. Mm-hmm. And that's used for the clone backup. I then have a 1.5 terabyte hard drive, also FireWire 800, and that one gets the time machine. I also have an offsite backup, one of those cloud-based backup systems. So between the three, the two external drives and that, I think I'm pretty well covered. Now, as I said, if I were to buy a 2012 iMac, a 27-inch, which is the one I would probably get, I'd still seriously consider the Fusion Drive. I understand what you're saying, but that in itself, because of the overhead of Thunderbolt, might actually cost me more. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com in a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You store guns, ammo, and food and water. But do you store peace of mind when it comes to your firearms? Now you can with Duracoat. The last thing anyone needs is a firearm that won't work when you need it most. Improve the factory finish and Duracoat your firearms once for a lifetime of protection against rust and corrosion. And Duracoat also protects against water, salt water, mud, grime, or whatever nature throws at you. The Duracoat Shake and Spray Finishing Kit has everything you need to finish a complete firearm for just $34.95. No need for 
for an airbrush or other spray equipment. Just degrease, then spray on Duracoat and let dry for a lifetime of protection. Duracoat is the simplest and most user-friendly firearm finish you can buy. Use Duracoat on knives, camping equipment, or anything metal, plastic, or wood you want to protect from the elements. Call 800-830-6677 or visit Duracoat.net. Spelled D-U-R-A-C-O-A-T dot net. Duracoat, the finest firearm finish on the planet. Who wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health? Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg john martellero and i may not agree thoroughly about the value of the fusion drive but i will agree with you this way i think that it is an interim solution what Apple is doing now, until such time as fixed hard drives are gone and solid-state drives are affordable enough that the price premium is not so much that you can't get half a terabyte, a terabyte, and go broke. When that happens, we won't need a Fusion drive. But and it'll happen it. sooner than we expect. We'll have to see. In giving me a list of talking points, number four was Apple Maps and the Abilene Paradox. What, pray tell, are you talking about? Isn't that a delightful concept? I love the title because I can't figure <laughs> it out. I have no idea what this guy's talking about. I thought maybe he's busy thinking about the paradox of our other radio show, The Paracast. I first ran across that when I was working for Lockheed Martin, and it was in the uh, context of accident investigations. There is this phenomena that is involved with accident investigation methodology. Uh, that uh, goes back to a researcher many, many years ago who discovered that it's possible, ironically enough, for a group to make a decision that is not really signed off on by any one of the members of the group. In other words, no one in the group will say afterwards, I agreed to that, but the group as a whole made a decision contrary to the interests of the individuals, all of the individuals. And this happens sometimes in flight crews where actions are taken in an emergency, which uh, no one thought was wise, but as a group, they all take. Uh, it's all started uh, when this researcher was uh, visiting relatives. Now, I hope I get the story right because it's been a while since I've 
related this exact story, but he was with his relatives in Abilene, Texas, and it was a hot, sultry summer day, and they thought that they would uh, go get some ice cream. The trouble was is that they lived on a dirt road, and it was a hot, dusty day, and people were kind of wishy-washy about it, and nobody really wanted to get in the car and drive a long, long ways to an ice cream shop, but somehow, everybody agreed that they were going to get in the car and go. And it was hot, and the car didn't have air conditioning. And by the time they drove back, the ice cream had melted, and it was messy and sticky in the car. And he thought, how did we ever decide to do this stupid thing? So there is a whole book about the Abilene Paradox. And so it's basically doing a completely dumb, ridiculous thing with full awareness of what you're doing, but you do it anyway. Yes, yes. But we do that all the time. Everybody does that. Well, some of the people who do that, unfortunately, are in Congress or run for president or are president, depending on your point of view. Actually, it happens quite a bit in the government. Uh, You can have a government organization that's so big uh, that people can uh, object strongly and provide valid technical recommendations for not taking a course of action, but for various reasons, power and and appearances and, and maybe legality legal worries, uh, the organization takes a, a different stand than considered wise by the, the best technical people. And I, and I was wondering whether maybe that happened with Apple and Maps. You know, if you, if you look at it technically, and my, my wife and I have both been involved in very large software development projects, and, and we've, we've seen uh, projects fail in, in aerospace, and some of them succeed. And it, it, it has to do with pressures on the organization you know you have schedules you've got a ship date you've got pressures from above you've got people who want to look good for the organization Uh, you've got competitive pressures from google and then all of a sudden it appears one day that even though the beta testers said no don't do this it's not ready and even though i surmise there may have been engineers at apple who said you know give us another year um, Apple executives went ahead and said, no, it's time to get in here, and, and it's good enough, and we'll tune it later. Isn't that and, what they also said about Final Cut Pro Ten? Well, I, I don't think that was exactly the same. Well, uh, I know what they tried to do, but the PR, they screwed up. And there are people today who don't realize that Final Cut Pro Ten, there was a new update just this week, has gotten a heck of a lot better from the original version. Yeah, the, the Final Cut Pro 10 was missing a lot of pro features that, that uh, were needed. But in that uh, case, it was a matter of perception. It was a matter of, hey, tell the people, the video editors are very sensitive, creative people, say, look, this is a new version, but you may want to stick with the one you have because it's going to take a while for us to bring back features or bring them back in a way that's better. Now, in the case of Maps, maybe Apple was in the position there where they had to do something because Google was getting farther and farther ahead and not giving Apple all the goodies. That's one of the things that happens with really large companies is the things that you would never do when you were small and conservative and not very resourceful. Uh, you actually contemplate doing when you're a large company. And that's part of that Abilene paradox, again, where uh, large... Remember, there was a Star Trek episode. Mr. Spock said, large civilizations have large ambitions. And large countries and large companies have large ambitions. 
And those ambitions are so strong that they will drive technical decisions that are smart right out the window. The theory being here that Apple could have waited till next year, would that have been really sure. reasonable? Part of it is I understand the sure, contract. Sure, it took Google eight years to get, to get maps right, and Apple decided that they could do it in one year. The other issue, of course, is that the contract with Google expired, I think, during the middle of the period between the two OS releases, what it would have been. So Apple would have been six months without a contract with Google unless they renewed the contract with Google. So that well, was part of it right there. Well, that's not a big problem. The question is, was, was did Google show any inclination that they would not renew the contract? And Would Google have said, why okay, not? let's do why a one-year or six-month temporary agreement we don't know while that. we try to work out a better agreement for features? My guess is that, I don't know. My guess is that Google would have been happy to renew the contract. Apple should have run them side by side in parallel, learned from their experience instead of wiping out Google Maps and, and, and causing people to be horrified when they found out their Google Maps was gone and then reading all the terrible stories and then finding out some of the problems. It was just a, it was not a good thing. By the way, they have little, gotten away with it if they did something that they did with Siri, which they're still doing. Call it beta. Say, sure. look, this is a beta version of our version of a mapping program. Understand there are going to be bugs because this kind of thing requires a lot of external testing. If you want to do it, fine. If not, we have all these other mapping apps that you can download. Let it stand the test of time and user feedback. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a courageous thing to do to put something out there and say, hey, try this out. Do you think it's better? And if it's not, customers will certainly let you know. But, but the key being here, if you call it beta, if you admit up front, listen, this is our new technology, but because it's a map, explain the technicality. Say, look, it takes time. We need public reaction to fix errors. There are going to be glitches. But you can go onto Google's site and get Google Maps. You can go into Nokia's site, get Nokia Maps. As, of course, Tim Cook said, you can go ahead and you can download MapQuest or TomTom or any of these other apps and you could use them the, to your the, heart's content. The overriding fear that Google was finding out too much about its competitors' customers, Apple's iPhone owners, was so strong, I think, that it drove Apple away from common sense. That's my opinion. It was all about paranoia. I think so. It, okay. The companies get that way. The paranoia factor. Oh, by the way, just to let you know, as I was talking to John earlier, we talked about the Fusion Drive, the hybrid drive that has solid state and fixed hard drive. Apple has a support document on their site that gives you the pluses and minuses of the Fusion Drive. You go check it. And when the iMac comes out, or if you want to buy a Mac Mini and you want to see whether you want to give the Fusion Drive a try, go ahead. Understand the way the system works is it's not something you buy later on. You have to buy the Fusion Drive with the product. And when you read how to open up even the 27-inch iMac, you'll realize why you don't want to do that, because it's a big pain. And the 21.5-inch iMac, the new version, does not even have upgradable memory. The 27-inch does. But there you go. By the way, the Abilene Paradox is by Jerry Harvey. Okay. And for anybody in corporate life who wants to understand how corporate decisions are made, it's available on Amazon. I highly recommend it. And by the way, we recommend that Steve Ballmer of Microsoft buy about 100,000 copies and hand it out to everybody over at Microsoft. John Martellaro, where do you find more of your stuff?
Uh, you can find me at the, the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're joined by Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. The obvious subjects are out there, the new Apple products, the fact that When you hear this broadcast, you'll also be able to take home a Surface tablet from Microsoft or download Windows 8. But first, let's talk about the issues with regard to the iPad mini. Now, pretty much everything that was predicted at the rumor sites, also at AppleInsider.com, came to pass except the screen was slightly bigger, not 7.85 inches, but 7.9 inches. So do you think Apple is losing the battle to double down on security? I think things are changing. I, it, it's becoming very difficult. I mean, people like to say that it's a change, you know, the post-Steve Jobs change, and, and Tim Cook can't keep things secret anymore. But this this happened long before Jobs stepped down. I mean, the iPhone 4 was revealed. The thing is, if you get to a certain point, if you have that, especially when you're doing so much work with overseas suppliers, and there's a, there's a demand for information, any little part, picture of it is a, is a story 
and you get some web traffic. And so there's just such demand for that that it's it's very difficult to it's becoming just just impossibly difficult to keep things under wraps. And if you look at similar projects, I mean, I've heard stories about the development of um, Microsoft's tablet uh, where they're talking about how they're trying to keep things really secret. And they were having some trouble leaking things. But, I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where, in general, reporting is so sophisticated and there's, there's so many outlets for things that just didn't exist five years ago or ten years ago or, you know, back in the day when things came out in magazines and we got the news months late. The other thing to consider, the other thing to consider, Daniel, is the fact that even if Apple finds that particular supplier is letting too much information come through, they have a decision to make then. Maybe that supplier is maybe one of only one or two that makes a specific part. So other than warning off the supplier, it's not as if they can change on a dime. Well, it kind of depends on what you're talking about. I mean, these aren't, it isn't like Foxconn is giving, giving, giving out pre-versions to CNET or whatever. This is we're talking about all these different suppliers that all have a vested interest in getting some connection between them and Apple, and all these employees. There's just so many levels of value, you know, people wanting to get something out. When there's such a demand for it, it's very difficult to keep certain things under wraps. Now, the the software that Apple does internally is all nobody knows anything unless it's it's released as a developer build. Because the developer builds are leaking pretty well. But, I don't um, think Apple is really concerned about developer build releases other than blatant disclosures. I mean, even the more mainstream publications, you'll see the newspapers, you'll see Macworld magazine or something indicate what's in a beta. And it's not as if Apple calls them and says, you lose your coverage. Yeah. So, I mean, that has, that has relaxed. Um, another, I mean, one of the things that I've kind of been noticing and kind of thinking about is Apple's need for secrecy is very different. If you think about 10 years ago when Apple was up against Microsoft and all the PC makers, and it appeared, I mean, it was just kind of general consensus that Apple was an extreme underdog and a long shot chance. And, you know, all that has changed now. So the question is, obviously, secrecy is useful in being able to come out with, a new, you know, launch a new product and create create excitement about it as opposed to launch something and everyone's saying, Oh yeah, I've already read all this and the you know, rumor blocks and whatever. So, I mean, there's, there's obviously some value in secrecy at the same time. However, there's much less need for the kind of complete secrecy. And also instead of releasing one device a year or, you know, refreshing each Mac once a year or refreshing kind of like, the iPhone every year. Apple now has so many different products. I mean, it's getting pretty broad. So it, it, at some point you get to the point where how much secrecy can you expect and how much kind of can you not predict what's going to happen? It's not as if Apple doesn't have a few surprises or unexpected twists. I mean, yes, there were a few expectations of a refresh to the full-size iPad. But only during the event did we realize it was a true fourth-generation model. It wasn't intended to be just a minor quick refresh. It is substantially beefing up the processor, the graphics chips, faster, better LTE and Wi-Fi, the lightning port. This is the kind of upgrade we might have expected next March. There, there was no, um, 
not only was that not reported, I mean, I didn't know about that. I mean, we kind of thought they were going to refresh the connector, but I didn't realize it was going to be a, a total thing. There was nothing known about the A5X. And, and what's interesting is even when the A6 came out, it was a secret for quite some time after they announced it of what exactly it was. So, I mean, there there is kind of like over-the-top security at Apple keeping things from being known, even when it's, you know, something that can be found out. Also, though, the fabrication of those chips is done at one place. There are more controls. It's not as if you have two or three suppliers of LCD displays or something like that. But let's move to one other aspect of this, the iPad Mini. Some disappointment in the price, $329. Now, we understand the screen real estate is a third larger than the 7-inch tablets from Google and from Amazon and other companies. But... One argument, this is made in the previous segment where we had John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. He used to work for Apple. And he said, by doing this, by keeping the price high, yes, Apple makes a good margin. Yes, Apple will sell lots of iPad minis. But they're kind of cutting the throats of people who don't have a lot of money and they can't even afford the full-size iPad. They can't afford the iPad 2, the iPad mini at $71 cheaper is not necessarily going to be any more affordable. Also, educational systems are cash-strapped. They'll have a problem buying a ton of these. Do you think Apple should have, could have made the iPad mini cheaper? Well, of course they could have made it cheaper. They could give it away for free, like Amazon and Google do. But if they did that, that would hurt the ability of the company going forward, because it's not like Apple's going to run out of money. But if, if they turn their iPad market into a giveaway market... Who's going to buy a full-size iPad? I mean, they're already... If you remember when these things came out, Apple said we're, we're, we're introducing products with a lower um, profit built into them. And we're transitioning towards that. So, yeah, I mean, you can postulate this idea that Apple could join Google and Microsoft and Amazon in creating products that don't cannot turn a profit, which is a really bad strategy because you can't pull out of that later. And if you want examples of that, go to any any industry, including the PC industry, where there's been a race to the bottom. Once you get to the bottom, there's nothing but losing area down there. The but other issue is here is once you cut the price, raising the price is bad form. Although, frankly speaking, the entry-level IMAX is $100 more than the previous model. But that, that price range is not as significant a change. But you could reduce the price. And one reason I heard for the higher price of the iPad Mini, those displays using a new technology, are very expensive to build, at least in the early stages. So Apple could possibly, in a few months, bring it down to 299 You know, people are talking about these prices and how unaffordable they are and whatever. I, I have a hard time with that because if you look at the price of the iPod over the, the last 10 years, it used to be that iPods were more expensive than this iPad Mentor. I mean, it wasn't very long ago, and it was just like a nothing player was more expensive than this do-everything computer. So, I mean, you have a lot of people coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, oh, they need to match these, these people on the bottom, but I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, if, if, you, if you look at the people in Apple and, the, and the, the decisions that they're making, they're based on a lot of information. So basically, you don't buy the argument here that charging $130 more than the entry-level 7-inch tablets is going to hurt Apple or necessarily penalizes individuals what about educational systems though you know they're cutting back right and left and center they don't have the money 
to even buy a $200 tablet, let alone a 329 tablet, I don't think. I'll ask you for your answer in a moment. If you want to get in touch with us here at the Tech Night Out Live, here's one way to do it. You can write us a letter at news at com. news at com. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Also, you can join our forums, forum.technightowl.com. Once again, that's forum.technightowl.com. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg in the Tech Night Owl Live. Neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number one, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. American gardeners and fellow patriots, make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed-saving instructions and ship same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American-owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. 
America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We asked a question of Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine, AppleInsider.com, about the impact of price not just to individuals. And I guess you could always add another $130 to your credit card. And if you haven't really overspent that credit card, it could work. But school systems have a much more difficult problem. Isn't the iPad mini really designed in the way it's set up to be perfect for classroom use? Yes, if you if you worked with any sort of organizational buying, whether it's schools or, you know, universities or hospitals or anything, anybody that buys stuff in quantity, the price of the device is, is, there is some importance to that, but they also look at the price of supporting it. So, I mean, these people, if you go online and you have these people saying, oh, schools are going to buy a Kindle HD because it's so much cheaper, that's so ridiculous because, you know, it's not the same product. The Google Nexus thing is not the same product. And if you start looking at how to uh, manage it in a in an environment like that. It's the same thing that the corporations have looked at, and that's why they're choosing iOS devices, because these Android devices are not easy to manage, and they're not high-quality devices, and they're obsolete immediately, and they don't get on software updates. I mean, just the cost of these actual devices is much more than this, you know, Amazon price that consumers are looking at, thinking that this is going to be what schools care about. The, the ability to run software on it is you know, far more important than the fact that it costs, you know, an extra some amount of dollars. So, I mean, the whole argument that, you know, they can't afford it, that's kind of silly. They, they buy books that cost more than these things. If you compare it, yes. And if you have the textbooks only available on the iPad or iPad mini, then how do you buy an Android? Nobody's buying Androids for education. I mean, that, that's not the case. You have a lot of people. You have a lot of people that are sitting on message boards postulating that people are going to be buying this cheap stuff. But you know the reason why Apple. If you look at what education systems buy, they've been buying MacBooks historically, paying a thousand dollars for a device. And a lot of school systems have been buying you know it you know a small discount, not a not a half price discount, that kind of thing. Um, I think they're paying around eight hundred dollars, or have been historically paying around eight hundred dollars for the um, you know the the entry level MacBooks. That was, you know, several years ago. Um, they started buying iPads because they're considerably cheaper. And they're buying lots and lots of iPads. Apple's selling far more iPads than they were selling Macs. And now they're coming out with an iPad that's even cheaper and smaller. And, you know, kids are going to – it's application for this device. And if you say, oh, are they going to go buy a Kindle 
instead, or a you know a Google Nexus tablet, you know, some sort of seven-inch tablet that doesn't have apps, isn't updated, isn't supported by the company, and is sold as a loss leader. I mean, that's that's the only the only people that are going to be thinking that are people that post comments to you know Wired and Gizmodo. It's not it's not going to be people who actually buy these products. Now, looking at that particular meme here, and that is the question of usability. If you look, for example, at the first round of reviews of the Surface tablet from Microsoft, and they seem to like the hardware, but there's some really strange glitches with the hardware. But the biggest problem is a schizophrenic operating system, and I was surprised to realize that the Windows RT version, the ARM-based, tablet-based version of Windows 8, still has a desktop and a traditional Windows interface down there. What was Microsoft thinking? Well, they ported the basic system of windows they just can't port the ability to run x86 code it's really easy to port an environment or a look on something else remember when you know back in the day apple ported the the old mac system onto pcs but it couldn't run any software so it was kind of useless it's just like the surface when when apple transitioned to PowerPC, they actually did all the work to make it PowerPC was so much faster that it could actually emulate it in old Motorola 68K chip. So you could run your old software on PowerPC. And they did the same thing with Intel. They made this bridge technology so that you could run your old PowerPC apps on these new Intel PCs. Microsoft didn't do that step. They can't because ARM is not substantially more powerful than Intel. It's quite a bit less powerful. And so what Apple did in that transition, when Apple brought basically the OS X to ARM devices with the iPhone and later the iPad... What Apple did is instead of trying to tell people that you could run your Mac applications on a tablet, which would not work, it, it was not only a technical challenge, it, I mean, a technical and possibly challenge, challenge but, but it was also, it, it just doesn't make sense. The value in ARM tablets is that they're low power and that you can do simpler things. So you can still do tremendously valuable things. You just have to have a different set of expectations. And Microsoft said, no, you should have no change in your expectations. You should think about running PC apps that were designed to run on a computer with unlimited memory and just a huge, you know, the fastest chip of the day. Now, this is interesting here, and it's not being reported in the reviews I read from David Bogue and Walt Mossberg and some of the other people who did review the Surface tablet. CNET's review ignored it, too. And that's the fact that the basic Surface tablet has 32 gigabytes of memory, but more than half of that is used by loading the operating system and some of the initial apps. So we're put in a position here where this thing is so filled with data already that the 32 32 gigabyte storage is really maybe 16. Oh, yeah. But they don't mention that. They don't mention how much is the operating system and bundled apps consuming of your storage. I mean, if I look, for example, at a 16 gigabyte iPhone 4S, and the 5, I assume, is the same, although I haven't checked it on the 5 yet, I'm going to see that, you know, maybe a couple of gigabytes of stuff is filled, and everything else is my music, my extra apps, and all that stuff. It's very efficient, because it looks like, as you say, Microsoft did a rough port from x86 to ARM, but they gained none of the efficiencies, because they didn't lean out the system of the stuff that's not needed. There's no intelligence in this. Well, if you look at what Apple did, Apple scaled down iOS, started on the iPhone. And when they brought out the iPad, which was, you know, was it three years later? Seven, eight, nine, ten, three years later? They had enough experience in working with it on the iPhone that it was an expansion, so it could do more. 
what Microsoft did was, first of all, the, the Windows Phone thing that no one's buying is based on Windows CE, which is totally unrelated to the desktop Windows. And it has never really taken off. But for the last two years, they've been building on this totally different kernel. So when they, when they went to bring out the Surface, they didn't use that to scale it up. They went back to Windows 7 and tried to make it fit on a tablet, which is a totally different sort of engineering task. And what they did was, you know, they didn't have four years of work to apply in this endeavor. They just started over from scratch. So you now have a two-year-old project, the results of a two-year-old project. Of course, it's not going to be good. If Apple had spent two years, you know, scrambling to get Mac OS X to run on a tablet, it wouldn't be any good either. And it's, it, what's really interesting, people are saying, this hardware is so great. Well, the hardware is built by somebody else, right? And they're saying um, the software isn't quite there yet. Well, of course it isn't. The ecosystem isn't quite there yet. You can't really run apps on it. And they actually can run or not as good. I, I don't think it's even useful to talk about issues like the fact that it squanders half the memory on the device. But I don't think anyone's going to buy this. I'll tell you the other issue here about the hardware. They say the hardware is good, but then you have performance lags. Things don't work so well. That's possibly the operating system. Then you have some glitches like, the stand is basically designed for horizontal use on a desk. You can't put it on your lap with that kickstand. The right. kickstand also has rather sharp edges that could just eat into a very expensive desk. I'll tell you more in a moment. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, all sorts of natural disasters happen. Some of you are ready, some are not. MySurvivalGoods.com gets you ready. Think basics. Do you have a home first aid kit, a car emergency kit, a basic urban survival kit? MySurvivalGoods.com has kits. Then the big stuff, ready for system interruptions caused by natural or man-made disasters, terrorism, government collapse, social chaos. Are you ready to bug out? Could you survive off the grid for a minimum of three days like FEMA says? Well, don't count on FEMA. Count on high-quality kits from MySurvivalGoods.com. Check out our large selection of emergency kits for cars, homes, schools, and office, and bug-out bags, first aid and flu kits, emergency water and food. Even build your very own custom emergency kit. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Go to MySurvivalGoods.com now. That's MySurvivalGoods.com. Don't delay. Prepare today. 
Ladies, how many pounds have you gained since you turned 40? If you're like most women, probably 10 or more. But hundreds of thousands of women have discovered the secret to losing weight after 40. It's called Amberin, and it's the only product on the market today clinically proven to cause sustained weight loss for women over 40 with no special diets or exercise programs. You can try Amberin absolutely risk-free and get a one-month supply free by calling 1-800-939-8955. The leading cause of weight gain in women over 40 is hormonal imbalance. Until you balance your hormones, losing weight can be practically impossible. Amberin balances hormones naturally, so the extra weight can fall right off. Yes, even that stubborn tummy fat. Plus, Amberin relieves other symptoms of hormonal imbalance, like hot flashes, night sweats, low libido, sleeplessness, and more. Be one of the first 50 callers right now, and they'll send you a complimentary risk-free trial with a 30-day supply free. Free supplies are limited, so call now. 1-800-939-8955. That's 1-800-939-8955. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later... And the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. I'm Gene Steinberg. The guest is Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And we've migrated our discussion from the iPad Mini to the Microsoft Surface Tablet And we're looking at the software deficiencies, performance deficiencies, excessive use of system resources, the fact that Microsoft didn't remove the stuff that's not necessary on all-touch system, like having a traditional Windows desktop embedded inside. But the other thing is here is the way it's built. It's not built like an iPad where you can hold it in your hands and use it, it's more designed to be placed on a desk, especially if you use the kickstand, because the kickstand only works with the horizontal operation and, as I said, has sharp edges. You heard about that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really a netbook and a tablet kind of form factor. Exactly. It's a slimmed-down netbook. It is designed to work like a PC. It's a slimmed-down netbook, and the actual touch keyboard is very difficult to get used to. It's not something you just adapt to. They say it takes, oh, a few days to get used to. No big deal. What? So the other option, which is $120, $129 extra, is what they call the type cover, which is a normal, somewhat slimmed-down PC keyboard. Well, when when the iPhone first came out, remember everybody was saying that it needed a keyboard, especially people like Rem and Palm, and they were saying, you know, this isn't going to work because people like the little keyboard. And it turned out that, you know, Apple was right, and people were liking it. Was, it was usable. Even if people liked using the keyboard, they were 
plenty happy using the iPhone because of, of other features it has. And then it didn't know, take me two or three oh, days to get used to it either. Yeah, but Palm and Rim came around, and they were saying, "Oh yeah, now we have a full screen keyboard." And you're like, "Wait a minute! If that, what was your story? Were you lying then, or are you lying now? I mean, basically, do you really believe what you're saying, or, or is it just garbage?" And that's exactly the same thing that Microsoft said, Bill Gates said, when the iPad came out. He's like, "Oh, this is you know not even interesting product, and it needs to have a real keyboard because that's what people really care about is a mouse and a keyboard." And then he turned around, and now he's saying, "Oh, this is so great, and it comes with a keyboard you can detach, but you know it has a screen keyboard too." And so, so which are you saying? Do you have a position, or are you just like saying whichever side of of whatever you think people are going to buy? Well, it's like certain politicians who take all sorts of positions. It sounds to me that with the Surface tablet, they try to just push everything in there instead of deciding this is based on touch, and maybe you want an optional keyboard like you do on an iPad. This is that's touch. It's a physical keyboard. It's traditional Windows. It's the touch-based Windows. We don't know what it is, so we'll give you everything you decide. And why it matters. I mean, why it matters when, when Apple says, we think that it needs to be done this way. And, you know, Apple has changed its position over time in certain areas. But in general, Apple says, you know, we're thinking about this. We looked at it and we decided this is what we should do. For example, the, the size of the iPad. And we're like, we think this is the right ratio of it. If they came out with a widescreen iPad, you'd be like, oh, wait a minute. You know, it wasn't too long ago that you were saying that you thought that this should be a a page-sized device. Why did you change your mind? And if you have a good reason for changing your mind, then it makes sense. But if you're just arbitrarily changing your mind because um, you're wrong and you're selling two things, it's kind of like Kindle. When, you know, Amazon came out with the Kindle and they're saying, oh, LCDs are bad, they're hard in your eyes and you can't look at them for very long. And, you know, the Kindle has this e-ink display that's so much better and it's so much better for reading books. And then as soon as, you know, they have the opportunity, they're like, oh, here's a Kindle Fire, it has an LCD. You're like, you just lied to me. <laughs> you know, it's like your whole marketing is just complete garbage. It's like, at least have a position. If you have an opinion, you know, you got to express it. And if you're going to change that opinion, you better have a pretty good explanation. You can't just, like, stop saying what you were saying last year. Well, of course, with the iPad Mini, in a sense, Apple had to go back slightly over what Steve Jobs said about needing sandpaper for your fingers. But their argument is that because it's a 4-3 aspect ratio and nearly 8-inch screen, the way it's designed, even horizontally, there's enough room to do things. But if you look at what Steve Jobs actually said, it's not the same as how his comments were interpreted by everybody else. What we've all been talking about Steve Jobs, what he said in October of 2010, and what he actually said are not the same thing. So if you go back and watch that, without the belief of what he what we thought he said it's a little bit different than what people are saying so people are saying you know oh steve jobs said they're never going to make a handheld tablet and then seven inch tablets are doa well first of all it's not a seven inch tablet but but regardless jobs was specifically talking about an avalanche of tablets and there was all kinds of tablets there were five inch tablet you know the dell streak was this five inch tablet and they had a six inch tablet you know it was just like every product category every inch there was a screen for it and what jobs actually said was that of all these things, you know, kind of most of them don't matter. The only thing, he called them credible. He said the only credible tablets are these seven-inch tablets. And we think they're going to fail for a couple of reasons. One is which they don't have software. Two of which is, you know, Android's not being supported on stuff that, you know, these companies are coming out with a version of Android 2 tablets that what Google is saying, don't use that. Wait till we have our tablet version. So there was a whole bunch of reasons that, it, that he outlined, and they were none of them were, there's never going to be a small iPad. He was specifically referring to the seven-inch Android tablets that were all widescreen. If you look at the, the words that he said, it's not exactly what people are saying that he said now. That's what I'm saying. They were looking into 
the more exaggerated portion. When he says you need sandpaper on your fingers, he did say there's not enough screen real estate there. That's an accurate statement because if you look at the argument that Phil Schiller made against a 7-inch Android tablet during the media event, he pointed out that the iPad mini, the way it's designed, the larger screen gives you more space to work. Yes, and if you have a smaller iPad in 2010, it would have a lower resolution than the 2010 iPad had. That's what he was referring to, about sanding down your fingers. So yes, if you came out with a smaller screen than that, with a smaller resolution, you would kind of need to sand down your fingers because the targets would be getting really small. Got to watch out about those fingers, I'll tell you. (laughs) You quadruple the resolution. That's kind of the thing with, you know, Microsoft's whole deal about trying to tap things with a stylus, is you could cram more stuff on the screen. You have a start button, you know, little tiny windows, little tiny scroll bars, and, you know, it's just like Windows, but it's smaller. And that's why Windows CE was such a terrible failure is because people didn't want to shrink down the, the system. They wanted something they could work with. And, you know, Windows wasn't optimal for that. Microsoft has been all about pushing Windows as a strategy for everything. Windows this, Windows that, Windows everything. Outside of the desktop and the server, Windows has not really gone anywhere. It's nowhere in phones, and it's... I, See, no room for it in tablets. Well, there's going to be a rate of early adoption. I mean, Microsoft claims, we don't know how accurate that claim is, that they sold out the basic 32 gigabyte oh, Surface tablets. Now, they could have only had 50,000 available. That's such garbage. Everybody sells out of everything. You know, that, that's such a ridiculous thing to say. And, and, and for people to report that like it's news, you know, oh, they sold out of something. And it's like, well, I could sell it a lemonade. That doesn't mean that I'm selling any quantity of it. See, Apple, when they say, they had a certain number of sales. They give you figures. They don't just say sold out. Well, we sold a million. We sold five million. They give you some numbers. Amazon won't give you numbers. Amazon tells you about the great sales of the Kindle Fire. Yeah. How many did they sell? Well, Apple doesn't say numbers of things that are not selling very well. So when they were talking about the Apple TV when it first came out, they were selling. You know, they were saying about that they're excited about it, but they weren't selling. They were never said we're selling. You know, this many of them. Until it got to the point where they had sold several million and they could say, you know, it's still a a hobby. This is not a huge market, but we're selling more than anyone else is in this market. Probably more than anybody else combined. Like the Google Nexus Q, did more than three people buy one? Is it even still being sold? I would imagine they have built some that they need to sell. But, yeah, if you look at the, the Roku box, which is, you know, like marginally successful. It's a smaller company instead of their product, and they were really pushing hard on Christmas, and Apple outsold that and kind of everything else in that category. But what I, my point was that at the point where Apple TV first came out and it was not selling very well, and it was quite expensive, it was, you know, like 300-something dollars, and people didn't really get what how it was going to benefit them, and um, Apple wasn't releasing sales figures because you don't talk about sales figures of things that are not Impressive, and that's exactly what Amazon is doing, like you're saying. And um, when you get kind of these playful press releases about how we're sold out, I mean, what does that mean? We're sold out. It's like I went to Target and they said they were sold out of the new iPad or new iPods, and it turns out they only were getting like a handful of them. So, I mean, it's one thing to have constrained supply when you're somebody that makes a lot of devices, because we know Apple's making huge amounts of iPods because they've always had sold, you know. 10 million a quarter, but Microsoft has no experience in making high-volume hardware. Coming up later on the show, we'll be hearing from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, who attended that session introducing Microsoft Windows 8 and the Surface Tablet. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs) 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. 25 years is reason to celebrate. Cash in on October deals during the 25th anniversary of Emergency Essentials. Going on now, save 26% off clarified butter, 24% off honey oat granola, and save 50% off a kitchen fire extinguisher. A must for any kitchen emergency. Stock your car with a RoadWise Emergency 72-hour kit, only $34.99 at BePrepared.com. New this month, two varieties of Mountain House just-in-case buckets. Your favorite Mountain House pouch is packed in a convenient bucket. Find a super deal this month only for the Goal Zero Lighthouse LED Lantern and Nomad 7 Solar Panel. ISAD Potassium Iodide Tablets are on sale. And as always, check out the Emergency Essentials Group Specials now through October 31st. Call 800-999-1863 for exceptional customer service and Emergency Essentials low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or be prepared.com. My name is Stephen Hewer. After 22 years of nutritional counseling, I've observed that most brain malfunctions have at their roots some form of toxicity and brain damage. So whether it is poor memory, poor focus, lack of creative thinking, or more serious matters like inability to focus, speak normally, or remember things, the emphasis to getting one's brain working optimally needs to be on detoxification. One World Way supports your body's number one means of detoxification, which is glutathione production. My name is Angie, and my son has suffered from borderline autism and constipation. I got him on One World Way, and in two months, his constipation is gone. He's become friendlier. He can carry on a normal conversation with me, and he's made his first friend. 
He's doing great, and he looks forward to taking one real way every day. You could offer him a present or a cake, and he would prefer the one real way. Go to OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y dot com. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com joining me, Gene Steinberg, on the Tech Night Isle live for one more segment. And he was talking about sales estimates, sales figures, and whether you sell out the four units you have in stock. Continue, please. Well, I mean, people are talking about the Surface like it's a real product, and Apple, you know, Microsoft's going to really take things on. It's like, oh, come on. I mean, we're talking about the purveyor of the Zune and Windows Phone, and they don't even sell Windows Phones. But, you know, Microsoft is not a clear player in this. What they're trying to do, what they want to do, is the same thing that Google's doing with Nexus 7, because Google has no, you know, they have no fantasy that they're going to be selling huge amounts of Nexus 7s, and if they do, it's just going to be losing money because they're not making any money on it. Both companies are trying to establish their platforms as viable tablet platforms. And so far, Google has only seen adoption of Android by Barnes & Noble in any sort of successful way, and Amazon and you know, a couple of other companies making Android 2.x tablets from a couple years ago, forking Android and going in their own direction with it so that Google has no control over what's going on. And everybody that's made a Honeycomb or later tablet, which is Android 3.0, which is kind of like the modern version of Android designed for tablets, None of them have been remotely successful. They're selling, you know, like the Zoom sold for like, you know, they were selling 100000 a quarter, which is abysmal failure. That's, micro, that's Google selling Motorola devices. So Google is desperately trying to say, here, you can make a device and sell it for nothing and ship it in some, you know, some numbers. People will know what the product is. If I were a hardware company in Korea and I'm looking at, the tablet market, and I see Google in it already, that doesn't give me a lot of hope for thinking, oh, yeah, I can make the same product Google is and sell it for nothing and make no, no money on it. Well, the other thing, too, if you're an independent hardware maker, you don't have an ecosystem. You don't have movie downloads or app sales. You have nothing but the hardware. You have to make money on the hardware. You have no choice. But also, if you look at the PC OEM market, they look at the Surface tablet. And any decision they make has to be governed by the fact that Microsoft is, one, their competitor. Two, the only way they can make it is by mass marketing a product to areas where Microsoft isn't distributing. Right now, Microsoft sells the Surface at their, what, 15 or 18 retail stores. (laughs) And also at their online store. Very few places. Very little, very limited distribution. Now, I suppose Microsoft is doing that because they didn't expect to sell a lot. They know they're not going to sell a lot, and they don't want to PO their OEM partners. They would, I be, would, happy, bet they would that be happy to mess all those partners up and take over the business. But the, the, Yes, they, they would. If, if they sold a lot of Surface tablets, yeah, they, a they big can. demand, I guarantee you it would be at Best Buy, it would be in Target, it would be at PC Mall, it would be everywhere. They know that it is not going to sell. And... So, yeah, they can create excitement about it and then say, hey, everybody else, you want to start making the hardware? Because they know there's not a lot of money in the hardware. But, you know, the whole point of the service is just to say, you know, here's a demonstration of what we can do. And we can, we're going to spend a billion dollars marketing this so that you guys can run in after us and sell products. Because right now there's no indication that anybody can build tablets based on 
windows and sell them at a profit because they haven't been able to for the last 10 years. You know, it's not like Microsoft hasn't been trying. They've released a tablet version of every version of windows in the last decade since, you know, since the middle of 2000. So, I mean, when you talk about the service, like it's a real product, it's, it's kind of unnecessary because it's not a real product. And Microsoft has come out very clearly. I mean, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. They're talking about what an exciting product it is. And at the same time, they're saying, oh, it's not really a product. It's just kind of like a demonstration of what you can do with. It's a design point. That's what Steve Palmer said. This is, hey, folks, here's a way to implement Windows 8 on a tablet, an ARM-based tablet, and later an x86 tablet. Here's a way to do it. Now, you go ahead, and let's see what you can do. It's kind of the opposite of the Zune. You know, Microsoft started out with Plays for Sure, saying everybody can build a you know iPod-type device using our software, and nobody could really do it successfully. And so Microsoft said, okay, we're just going to do it ourselves. We're not going to compete with you. I mean, that was such a ridiculous thing to say. But they said, oh, we're just going to compete with the iPad with the Zune. And they came out and really just destroyed the market for Plays for Sure. So what they're doing now is they're saying, you know, here it's a, they're putting the Zune and then trying to transition it into a Plays for Sure kind of market. Basically, like, saying, you know, here's a here's a RT tablet and it got some airplay because we spent a billion dollars advertising it. Now you can make your tablets afterward and we're just going to like have it sort of fade into the background. Sure. You do are. I would I look at it this it, way. If I was the OEM maker, I would look very carefully at the uptake of the surface tablets. Not the first week when the early adopters will jump at it. The people who fall for those noisy, clicky, clacky dancing commercials. They're going to look at overall sales after the first month or so, and they'll say, all right, they sold this many, and it's distributed here. Here's the demand for it. It doesn't look like it's very good, so we're not going to bother building these tablets. Because also, if Microsoft sold a lot, as you say, they would double-cross their partners and put those things everywhere. So it's still the test pattern, because the OEMs are coming up with the most ridiculous, stupid, Rube Goldberg-esque tablet ideas i've ever seen is just incredibly incredibly bad i mean some really crazy ones there's an all-in-one computer a portable or convertible all-in-one computer from sony one of their vio 20s or something 20 inch screen weighs 11 pounds so it's too big to be a notebook computer but it has a battery that gives you like three hours battery life but it's meant to be an all-in-one computer for family to play games and stuff like that but the thing is cheap The graphics are so badly implemented that even basic casual games don't play very well. So it's a waste of money, a waste of time. And this is the innovation that Microsoft expects for Windows 8? That's going to be a really tough situation because the the Surface starts off at least 500 without the keyboard that they're they're promoting. But if you look at the, the products, I mean, people are comparing it to the Xbox. The Xbox sells for what is it now, Lynn? Two or three hundred bucks, and the Connect, which they're saying is you know it's like this incredible product, and they keep saying how the you know it's Guinness Book World Records for being the fastest selling product. It's like a hundred dollars. There's a lot less pressure to sell something that costs a hundred dollars than to sell something that costs several hundred dollars and does not have a real clear value to it. Also, the sales this- of the Xbox have declined. It's a aging product. It's been around yeah. for several years. Where's the Xbox 400? Where's the successor? They've given it some minor shaves and haircuts, but it's still a product where they make a small amount of profit after throwing billions of dollars into it. So maybe 50 years from now, they'll make up the difference? Well, it's interesting that Microsoft never turned that over to other companies. It's interesting that Microsoft never turned the, uh, 
the the Xbox design into a you know 3DO type situation where they're licensing it, you know, like Android or Windows or something, where they let everybody else make 360 hardware for them. They realize that there's not a lot of money in the hardware, and yet they're continuing to sell it because they want a an Apple like model. So they're willing to for you know make this hardware without much of a profit just to make sure that Sony doesn't take over the video game business from PCs. So that's that's not an example of a product designed to make money. It's designed a, a product that's designed to prevent competitors from encroaching on your position. And that's exactly what the Surface is. They're not trying to make a product that's going to make money, which is, you know, you make a product that makes money and you can continue making it. That's what Apple did with the iPod. So they did with the iPhone. That's what they did with the, the, the iPad. And if you look at the first iPad, it was clunky and heavy and, you know, had some problems with it. Had crappy cameras uh, or, you know, no camera. <laughs> They sold 10 million of them. Two years later, they've sold 100 million. And if you look at the fit and finish and the design of them, it's incredible. The, the latest ones, the new iPod Touch, is just it's a beautiful device. And the reason that they're able to put so much effort into it and so much design technology is because they're selling hundreds of millions of these devices. And they're making money in every one of them. Now, if Apple had gone and you know, brought these markets, brought, brought all these products out at the loss leader markets, they wouldn't be making any money on it. So the only thing they could sell was a plasticky piece of crap. And, you know, in two or three years after making plasticky crap, they would still have to be making plasticky crap because they haven't made any money to invest in developing anything better. So if people are looking at this, you know, Google Nexus, which is a plasticky tablet that sells for the bottom of the barrel because that's what it is. How is Google going to afford to make a much nicer product next year? They're not. It's not selling in tremendous quality and quantity, and it's not something making any money. And this whole fantasy that Amazon and Google and you know everyone else is going to be losing money on hardware so they can sell software is complete. It's, it's so completely ridiculous. That I was. I know you wanted to use another word. I know you wanted to use another <laughs> word, but the seven deadly words are not allowed on commercial radio. But I think every one of our listeners, by the way you uttered that phrase can infer what you really meant we know about it where do we find more of your stuff daniel aaron dilger i write at roughly drafted and roughly drafted.com and apple insider and appleinsider.com he does everything commentaries news stories and great reviews some of the best reviews on any tech publication daniel well, aaron dilger Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, thanks for having me, Gene. Coming up later on the show, we'll be hearing from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, who attended that session introducing Microsoft Windows 8 and the Surface Tablet. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. 
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. You know what happens to your digestive health around the holidays? Right. Unusual schedules and foods you don't normally eat can cause upset stomach and indigestion. But you can prepare your digestive tract with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse from Terraganics.com. Pro-EM-1 is all natural and made with certified organic ingredients. It contains no genetically modified ingredients or preservatives and has no animal products, wheat, soy, dairy, or gluten. Pro-EM-1 does not require refrigeration, so you can take it with you over the river and through the woods to grandma's house. Pro-EM-1 supports a healthy, regular digestive system, supports weight loss, and improves absorption of food nutrients. Improve your digestion and keep off those extra pounds with Pro-EM-1 Probiotic Cleanse. Call or click TerraGanix.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Toll free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. TerraGanix, life's getting better. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This segment is brought to you by Crush FTP. Now, Crush FTP is what they call an FTP file server, and it runs great on Macs, including Mountain Lion, on Windows, also it runs on Linux. And you run your own file server. You can run it in the cloud or hosted on your computer. And this way it lets your customers drag and drop the files they need to upload or retrieve from a web client. So if they're using Internet Explorer on Windows, Safari, or Chrome on the Mac, whatever, they can use drag and drop to upload files, multiple files. Prices start at $40. Go to crushftp.com crushftp.com We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com who spent the better part of the day, was it, at a Microsoft event to unleash Windows 8 and the Surface tablet. Did they at least give you some decent food? Uh, no, not really. We, we, we decided to leave early because uh, you know, after the first presentation, it seemed to be over, but then apparently they came out and they showed some more uh, Surface stuff, which we didn't need to see because we have a Surface here in the office. Similarly, the Windows 8 stuff that they showed, we also didn't need to see, nor did the nor did anyone in the press, because Windows 8, or the public who has been paying attention, because Windows 8 has been available for testing for a very long time, and they did not announce anything new, much to our disappointment. How long was this presentation? Like, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours. Okay, so it's uh, like an Apple presentation. Apple does like an hour and a half, two hours, although this last one I think was about 70 minutes or so. But considering they've had all these demonstrations of these products, you wondered, did they at least have hands-on with the Surface tablet this time? You know, they later took one out and showed people, but again, for those of us who've been keeping up 
Uh, now, look, this event wasn't just for press. There were a lot of people there. The line was really long. A lot of the people were partners. Some of the people were analysts. So, so you know, there weren't a ton of journalists who got to get the briefing that I got on the surface and got to review one. There are only about two dozen of us that have. So for the for the rest of the public, or not really the public, the rest of people in attendance, then uh, they had a chance to uh, see a little bit more detail about the surface. I'm not sure whether they had units out for people because I wasn't there by the time they were talking about it. But, you know, the whole presentation was designed to summarize and reiterate things that they've been talking about for months now. So you do have a surface at your office. I assume you've done some reviews of it. Yeah, we rev- I've done a really long review of it and spent okay. the better part of a week and a half with it. Having not read the review, but we want to present this information to our listeners. Now, there are perceptions that the hardware is pretty decent, but there is a severe lack of apps, and then, of course, we have the schizophrenic nature of the operating system. So we have a situation here where on the ARM tablets, the Windows RT version, it still has a desktop. Is that correct? It doesn't. So the, the thing is, it's very half-baked because Windows RT looks identical, identical to Windows 8, including the desktop mode, all of the preloaded apps. It doesn't say Windows RT anywhere unless you go into the system properties or you try to install a desktop application and you get a rude awakening when you get an error message that doesn't say you're running Windows RT. It just says this application won't run on your computer. Oh, that's really nice. I think people who write those warning prompts should be given a re-education or maybe a slap in the head. You know, the way it comes across to me is if Microsoft and their programmers did a really rough, fast, well, fast compared to anything Microsoft would do, port of an x86 operating system to the ARM-based tablet. Is that a proper perception? I've talked to the user experience people at Microsoft. In fact, we had an interview with one a couple of days ago, and I asked him this very question, why didn't you make it look different? And their response seems to me a bit tone deaf. Uh, He said, and also Stephen Sanofsky, the uh, president of Windows and Windows Live, said during a press conference that I was at in Redmond last week, said they don't think that confusion is going to be a problem. Only geeky people know the difference between Windows RT and care or know about the difference between Windows RT and Windows 8. And because people are buying the Surface or another Windows RT device like the Vivo tab, Asus Vivo tab, they will know what they're buying based on you know, sales education and therefore not need the operating system to look any different. Boy, that's nonsense. That's utter nonsense. Do you really think the people who have bought so far 100 million iPads and tens of millions of Android tablets and Kindle Fires and all that stuff. These products all have the same metaphor interacting with the touch interface. So Microsoft comes into the breach with something totally different, a warmed-over desktop operating system ported to tablets. With all that, they don't think people will be confused? Yeah, I, I find it to be really strange, their attitude about some of these things. I mean, Sanofsky was actually really defensive when he, we had this press conference with him. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you but about, or to your audience, but about a week and a half ago, I was out in Redmond myself, 
Uh, I got a tour of the Microsoft uh, labs. It was myself and maybe you know twenty twenty two other journalists who who got this experience. And at the end of the day, we got to ask questions. And two or three different people asked Sanofsky about this very topic of, you know, are people going to be confused? It's not really prominent uh, anywhere to see that you're using Windows RT. In fact, they showed us a, a mock Microsoft store at the end of the day. And, no, and the only way you would know that you were getting a device with Windows RT is if you read the really tiny card next to the surface display everywhere all over the store it had the words windows 8 in giant letters uh so you know people asked sanofsky about this don't you think there's going to be confusion and he said i you know do you really think that the average consumer knows what an operating system is oh please give me a break okay so i suppose we have the situation we have the RT arm base version of the Surface now. In a few months, there will be the X86 version. So people will see these things side by side without proper labeling. Do you think they won't be confused about the differences? I think if you have the however many bucks to spend on the expensive version, you probably will understand the difference because you'd have to be making a really significant commitment I mean, we don't know the exact pricing for that, but all signs point to close to $1,000. That will be a commitment. I mean, you can buy the basic iPad for $499. You could buy the iPad mini for $329. You can buy the Amazon Kindle Fire or the Google Nexus 7 for $199. So this is going to cost $1,000, but there's another Surface for $499. They need to see what the differences are. And then you see those commercials where you always see amidst the noise and the dancing, the surface is placed horizontally with a kickstand is the way you always see it. This speaks to me as something like a thin notebook or perhaps a netbook. It's not being marketed as a traditional tablet in the same way as the iPad. This is the problem. It's neither fish nor fowl. If it did what it claimed really well then it would be a really interesting device. But the software right now is such a dicey experience that I'm not sure that it can ever be what Microsoft is trying to say that it is. So they seem to be of a split mind about it. Sanofsky comes on stage um, during a press conference and says, it's not a tablet, but it's, it's not just a tablet, but it's the best tablet I've ever used. It's not a notebook, but it's the best notebook I've ever used. Of course, we have that quote from Tim Cook, where he calls the Microsoft Surface compromised and confusing. And that, by the way, is not something that he originated. It comes from a published review. Once again, this portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by Crush FTP. Run your own FTP server on your own computer or run it in the cloud on a hosted virtual machine. Learn more at crushftp.com, crushftp.com. So much more to talk about with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Out Live.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Good day, Peter Crouchnubble from Midas Resources. Today is October 26, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 17.04. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 17.46.24, 873.12 for a half ounce, and 436.56 for a quarter ounce. 17.46.24, 873.12, and 436.56. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. Earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, all sorts of natural disasters happen. Some of you are ready, some are not. MySurvivalGoods.com gets you ready. Think basics. Do you have a home first aid kit, a car emergency kit, a basic urban survival kit? MySurvivalGoods.com has kits. Then the big stuff, ready for system interruptions caused by natural or man-made disasters, terrorism, government collapse, social chaos. Are you ready to bug out? Could you survive off the grid for a minimum of three days like FEMA says? Well, don't count on FEMA. Count on high-quality kits from MySurvivalGoods.com. Check out our large selection of emergency kits for cars, homes, schools, and office, and bug-out bags, first aid and flu kits, emergency water and food. Even build your very own custom emergency kit. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Go to MySurvivalGoods.com now. That's MySurvivalGoods.com. Don't delay. Prepare today. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. have to tell you, neighbors, he's one of my favorite guests. And one of the reasons is that he's very fair and very well informed coming in a world where people are so polarized about various subjects, including technology. That means he's fearless. He's not afraid to attack the people who should be attacked and to praise those who should be praised. So today we're talking about those schizophrenic products, the Windows 8, and the Microsoft Surface Tablet. Now, when it comes to the Surface and the hardware, the kickstand, is it true that certain reports indicate that it has kind of a hard edge, so it could possibly scratch the surface of a computer table where it's using glass or something? Hmm. You know, I didn't put it on a sensitive desk. I put it on regular desks. It didn't seem to be too sharp. I suppose if you put it on something that's really sensitive, it could get scratched. I didn't really get the sense that it was like super sharp or I was going to cut myself on it. The kickstand is probably, unarguably, the best feature of the Surface. Well, I suppose it is if you want to put it on a desk and set it up horizontally, as you see in those annoying commercials. But consider also, what if you want to look at something in the portrait direction, like reading a book? How do you stand it up? How do you handle that? Yep, that is very true. I mean, really, it's one of the only features that you don't find on most other tablets. Although, of course, you can get things that will effectively create a kickstand for you for the iPad, like using the cover to to prop up the tablet. So... Really, when people talk about how they're marveled by the Surface hardware, I do have to say that it's a little one-sided to say that. Yes, the kickstand is nice. The optional but not included uh, touch cover is very interesting, but not necessarily super helpful if you're a good typist. Now, as I understand it here, You have two types of keyboards. One is a type keyboard, and the type cover, as it's called, offers the kind of keyboard feel of a traditional notebook. And then you have the touch cover, which comes standard on some of the configurations of the Microsoft Surface. It has the feel of a flat touch keyboard. It takes a little time to get used to, right? It does. I mean, they were really clear with us when they showed it to us hey, it's going to take you a few days to get used to this. That's a non-starter, my friend. I mean, people are already used to the touch keyboards on, for example, the iPad or the Nexus 7. So Microsoft says it'll take a little time for you to get used to it. Will people want to do that? Honestly, when they say get used to it, I mean, I was able to type on it right away. What I think people have to get used to is typing on an on a keyboard that has no tactile feedback. You expect that from a screen, but you don't necessarily expect that when you've got your fingers on the home row and you're pressing them and they don't hit back at all. So what we're talking about here is a virtual style keyboard that's physical. Pretty much. I mean, it's not I mean they're real raised keys, but they don't go down at all. 
so they're raised. You can feel them with your fingers. You can feel the grooves between the keys. There's little markers where the F and J key, F and J keys are, so you can position your fingers in the home row. But when you're typing, there's absolutely no tactile feedback at all. You don't have to worry about the marketing here. So they sell the cheapest version, the $4.99 version of the Surface tablet, without the touch cover, and the two more expensive versions with the touch cover. Now, if you buy the keyboard, the touch cover separately, it's $119. For $10 more, you get the type cover, which is more like a traditional keyboard. Now, wouldn't it make sense to bundle a version with a type keyboard for $10 more? Instead of being, say, $599, it is $609. Makes sense to me. First of all, Microsoft's marketing message here seems muddled to me because they don't talk about the experience that you'll get using the operating system or running the apps or any of that in their marketing. If you've seen their big commercial, it's a bunch of people dancing around, clicking and unclicking the touch cover. You know, that's one of the most annoying commercials I've ever heard. I mean, the Windows 8 commercials are also pretty irritating in their own way. With Windows 8, they say, here's the basic face of it with the tiles... But we're not seeing what you could actually do with Windows 8. And then, of course, Microsoft runs those stupid commercials for Internet Explorer. About the more beautiful Internet. Give me a break. Yeah, I mean, it's a little ridiculous, the marketing campaign, because if if your selling point here is we've got this beautiful new operating system, it does these new things, well, then show me the apps. Show me what I can do with it. If you look at the commercial, it's all about the optional keyboard which can only be used uh, you know, for the extra $119. And FYI, if you buy it in the bundle, you save the $19, but you only get the black version. And considering that this is kind of a fashion accessory and it comes in all these bright colors, I would expect a lot of the people who want this Surface to want it so that they can get the pink or the blue or the red. Yeah, I agree with you about that. I think when you buy a Surface tablet... With one of those covers, you should choose the cover you want. It makes no sense to get basic black and only basic black. Then you have to spend $119 for something else or $129 if you want the type cover. Whatever your personal tastes, you can't trade in the black keyboard. So in summary, it's stupid marketing or stupid packaging or a total ripoff. I think what's stupid marketing is that they make the main selling point the keyboard, but the base model doesn't have it. That's like telling you I'm selling you a convertible, but and the convertible is twelve ninety nine is twelve thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. But when you get to the uh, when you get to the store when you get to the car dealership, you find out that actually, if you want it to have the roof come down, you have to buy one that's that's $15,000. If the selling point is the keyboard, and right now in all of their marketing, that's the selling point, how can you sell it without it? Yet, if you believe Microsoft's marketing, they sold out of the basic $499 version of the Surface tablet without the keyboard. Of course, they didn't tell you how many copies of the product they sold. Maybe they had twenty-five or 50000 or so. Oh, folks, it's a sellout. This is fabulous. This is extraordinary. Now, one thing I've heard is that even the 32-gigabyte version, you don't get to use a lot of that space because, what, almost half of it is consumed by the operating system? Not exactly. The preload is about 9 gigs, 9.5 gigs. 
So if they had given you 16, it would have looked really lame because more than 50% would have been taken up by the operating system. With 32, you do have about, what, you know, 20. I don't know how much it comes down to when you do the reformatting or, you know, the partition information, but you get somewhere around 20-something, you know, gigs of free space. So it isn't bad, but I'm not sure that going out and telling people, wow, buy us instead of the iPad because the base iPad is 16 gigs and then we have 32 is really a compelling argument based on what people do with their tablets. I mean, there are hardly any apps for this anyway. What are you going to do with the extra space? We've got much more to come with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. And we're talking about the marketing approach, particularly for the Surface tablet and the amount of storage it provides. Now, if you look, for example, on an iPhone, the 16-gigabyte version has a usable capacity of 13.57 gigabytes. You have an operating system that's custom-designed for the low-resource requirements of a tablet or smartphone-based operating system. And that's another question I have. So we have a situation here where if you're doing a rough and dirty port of a desktop operating system to the mobile platform, and of course with Microsoft, it may be dirty, but it's not going to be fast. So you've got two gigabytes of RAM. Is that allotment possibly not enough memory for this particular kind of OS? You know, I I can't really answer that because we, you know, of course Microsoft is going to say that they are, you know, that they've optim- that they've done a lot of work to optimize it, and I can't speak to what's under the surf under under the surface, pun intended, uh, on the surface in terms of how how well they've optimized the operating system. What I can say is, in my experience, you experience a, several moments of sluggishness on Windows RT with the Surface, and it really makes me wonder whether it's something that Microsoft has done because it's got a Tegra 3 processor in there. And in our experience with Android, Tegra 3 processors are excellent. So it's really hard to believe that that, that the CPU or the hardware is at fault. The effect almost begins to sound like the operating system is running out of real memory. So it uses virtual memory. This is kind of like you get with a desktop operating system under the situation where too much memory is being used by your apps. Well, I think one thing to keep in mind is that the storage on this is uh, the speed of the storage is terrible. Really? How so? 
We do a, a standard file transfer test on all of our Windows and Mac devices, and so we ran it on on both the Surface and on the Vivo tab, which is ASUS's Windows RT tablet. Both of them had absolutely terrible, super slow storage memory. So they both run flash memory, but their flash memory is slower than a hard drive. So the Surface returned a transfer rate of about 14 um, megabytes per second. Ouch and double ouch. On our on our test, a hard drive, a 5400 RPM hard drive, tends to get about 25 to 28, and a 7200 RPM hard drive tends to get about 32 megabytes per second on the same test. So that's less than half the speed. Yeah, of a hard drive. Now, if you use a normal SSD with normal transfer rates, it would be, what, four or five times faster? Right. What's strange is this is flash memory, so you would expect, I would expect it to perform like an SSD, but I guess not. I guess it performs more like an SD memory card than an than internal uh, SSD. Well, it's just an offhanded guess, but it sounds to me like the operating system is not properly optimized for flash memory. Quite, quite possibly. I mean, maybe they should have picked better flash memory. Now, to be fair, Asus's was worse. Asus's was 10 megabytes per second. Now, of course, early adopters are going to buy these things. They've heard about it in magazines, on Laptop Magazine. They've heard about it on the Tech Night Out Live and other radio shows with you and me and other people talking about the Surface tablet. But what are its chances for success after the early adopters? Are people going to look at those annoying TV commercials with the dancing and the clacking and say, by heavens, I've got to have a Surface tablet? They're going to say they got to have that instead of an iPad mini, an iPad, or a Nexus 7? I don't see it. Especially, what's weird also is, even though they say that it's somewhere between a tablet and a notebook, they're not, you know, internally, Microsoft seems to think it's an iPad competitor. Because when we went around their offices, all they would talk about is how it does this or that better than the iPad or as well as the iPad. In fact, I don't necessarily agree with any of that because they had, gave us a, you know, a really long like hour and a half presentation on why their 1366 by 768 screen is better than Apple's Retina display. I think they say because of ClearType, because ClearType supposedly renders text and other elements better than the technology used by Apple. On the other hand, on the other hand, I've read a number of tests that indicate that the Surface tablet has a good picture, but not as good as that of the iPad. That's that's my perspective, too. So, yes, when we were at the Microsoft office, they put the two next to each other and they put up certain images, which made it look like because of better contrast ratio or something, uh, that the Surface screen was better. But when we took this back to our office and we conducted our own tests, what we found was, yes, the Surface screen is pretty nice. It's not bad. It's pretty good. Text is pretty sharp. But put it next to the iPad, and there's no comparison. It's very easy to see that the iPad shows more detail. And the other thing that's easy to see is that the iPad has a warmer, more vibrant color palette than the Surface screen does. I suppose it's just real easy to manipulate those tests. Like, for example, look what Nokia did with the Lumia 920, where they wanted to show better image stabilization, better low-light performance. So what did they do? They ran commercials using a professional camera and not the camera in the Lumia. So it sounds to me like Microsoft is trying to make their product show a superior picture 
through smoke and mirrors. So we'll still have to see how the Surface does it after the early adopters get theirs. Meantime, on the very first day that the iPad Mini was offered on sale, it was announced that the initial group of units available for order were sold out. So what's your perception of all this? Yeah, I mean, obviously the iPad, you know what you're going to get from it, right? I mean, it's it's been around, so it's not hard to imagine what the experience of using an iPad mini would be like. It's just like the experience of using an iPad 2, maybe somewhere between an iPad 2 and an iPad 3. So everybody knows what they're getting from it. If you like the iPad, you're going to like the iPad mini. I still prefer the Nexus 7, but at least it's a known quantity and it's designed and been tried and true tested over the course of a number of years, unlike Windows RT. And of course, what Apple did was to make the size of the screen 7.9 inches, not 7 inches. Therefore, it gives you about a third more screen real estate. And the price, of course, is $130 more. Of course, some Wall Street analysts suggested that the iPad mini was overpriced, being $329. But in the end, if Apple sells all they can build and the public accepts the price as worth it, they can afford it. It doesn't matter what Wall Street says. Now, I've also heard that the cost of one or more of the components used in the iPad mini came in pretty high, and therefore Apple had to price it higher. But as production yields increase and as efficiencies arise in making those parts, maybe in the future, they'll cut something off the price. They'll make it 299 279 something like that. Or maybe not. I think Apple, whether whatever their bomb cost on it is, it's really clear that Apple is in a good position to be able to charge that price because of their reputation in the industry, because they position this as a premium product. And also, everybody knows that Apple is not doing this as a loss leader. They intend to make a margin on it. Sanofsky from Microsoft said the same thing. He said, we don't make products as loss leaders here at Microsoft, so we had to price this such that we we make a margin on it. Okay, that sounds reasonable. And also, Apple is saying that their profit margins are lower on the iPad mini. And maybe in a vague theory, Apple would like to be able to offer the iPad mini for less money, but you can't begrudge them for getting a fair return. Think about all those PC makers who aren't doing very well because they're selling all their gear at very, very low margins. And if they don't make a reasonable amount of profit, they can't innovate. They don't have enough money for R&D. So I suppose it's okay in the real world, to buy a laptop computer for $300, but if Dell or HP only earn $10 from that sale, how do they stay in business? I think that is certainly an issue, and that's why Apple is doing so well. Those who are really taking a loss, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Google, are hoping, and I don't know how the numbers are bearing this out, to make it up through the sale of services. That could be the beginning of a long discussion, which we'll continue in a moment. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. 
Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 to Day. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Usually, the older one gets, the less you're able to absorb amino acids and the less you're able to repair the 75 trillion cells of your body. As a result, you'll have less energy, your tissues will shrink, and you'll become wrinkled. An older person will typically injure more easily and heal more slowly. Not fun. However, if you could consume a protein powder that is easy to absorb, then you may be able to gain back some strength, muscle, and speed of recovery. One World Whey is a highly digestible whey protein powder that may be the perfect answer for you. My name is Errol. I'm 74 years old. You know, the taste of One World Whey is amazing. I play pickleball, and since taking One World Whey and your trace mineral supplement, I have more energy and recover faster from my working out. I used to take another grass-fed whey protein powder, but now I'm getting much better. Better results using One World Way. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. 
So we have one more segment to spend with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. And we're continuing our discussion about first the Windows 8 launch and the Surface tablet and all the attended problems. And also Apple's new iPad and the iPad mini. Yes. The thing with the Surface pricing, though, is that it's a little bit presumptuous. First of all, Apple has a built-in audience. Second of all, they were the first to offer a major mainstream consumer tablet of good quality. $500 actually seemed like a bargain back in 2010 because the world hadn't seen anything like the iPad before. Plus, there were all these rumors floating around about it being $1,000. So $499 actually seemed like a bargain back then. But as Apple is the well-established leader and new players with new ecosystems are trying to enter the marketplace, they have to be a little more humble than to try and be the same price or higher than the iPad. We've seen this time and again. The, uh, you know, the HP touchpad, yes, it had some, the hardware had some issues. The software could have been better. But man, they immediately priced it the same price as the iPad. And so that's going to lead to the inevitable comparison, a comparison that, by the way, Microsoft wants you to make between their product and the iPad. And when people are making that comparison, they are going to have to say, well, okay, here I have this unproven ecosystem in Windows RT, which, by the way, can't do a lot of the stuff that I want it to do. Or B, I have the iPad, which is the most popular tablet around. Everything's made for it. Everything works for it. It's been well worked out. I know what I'm getting and I'm paying the same price, why should I pay the same price for an unproven product that I can pay for the market leader? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Of course, if Microsoft wants to make a profit, they have to price this the same or higher than the iPad, especially because they don't get the component discounts that Apple does. They don't build that many in terms of quantity. Now, with the iPad, we have the situation where Apple has put out and maybe rushed out a fourth-generation model. Was it the threat? or the potential threat of the Surface tablet? Or did Apple just want to leverage the lightning connector and leverage the new parts from the iPhone 5? I think it's really simple. They had this faster chip available. They wanted to iterate in time for the holiday season so that they could drive some more holiday sales rather than waiting till February just so that they could hit a one-year cadence. So why not release it now? What actually makes me a little bit irritated, maybe more than a little bit irritated, is that I've seen a number of people in the industry, even some people I'm friendly with on Twitter and such, being angry with Apple because they they released a new product seven months after the old product. Yeah, as if Apple really listens to them to decide how often a product will be upgraded. Yeah, I mean, it's like they sort of somehow feel that Apple owes them to not release a new product for a year so that their product that they bought a few months ago doesn't feel out of date too soon. These folks try living in the Android ecosystem with the rest of us. Yes, of course, they have a new model every hour. And the other thing to consider, also, other than the fact that the fourth-generation iPad has a lightning connector, there is no external evidence that's any different from any other iPad of the previous generation, except, of course, that it will be somewhat faster. Also, if you bought the, the older model two the four weeks earlier, I suppose you could return it because they usually accept that kind of return within the normal period 
and you'll be able to upgrade to the later model. And don't forget, there were rumors of a possible full-size iPad refresh. Along with the iPad mini, it shouldn't have come out of left field. This was telegraphed by some. Now, let's go to Apple's financials for a moment. We have a situation here where Wall Street decided Apple should sell, what, 15 or 16 million iPads. Apple sold 14 million, a double-digit increase. It wasn't enough for their inflated expectations. So it's basically a case that Apple didn't meet their guesswork. Since their guesswork was wrong, Apple has to suffer, despite the fact that Apple sold, what, 100 million iPads already. You know, this gets into discussion about the market and what the market expects. I'm not a financial analyst because if I was, I would I would think this was all really weird how a company can be as successful as Apple is and yet the market can have can be disappointed when they have what other people would consider to be an awesome quarter. So they fell short of expectations, but they're an extremely profitable company. Same thing with Amazon. People were upset with Amazon because their profit grew from – or their revenue grew from 10 to $13 billion in, in the last year instead of growing more. There are companies that are losing money that are in danger of going out of business and were upset with companies for making a profit and selling a ton of product but not as much as we wish they would. I mean wait until you're HP and you're actually losing sales. I don't fully understand, and again, you know, maybe there are smarter people than me who follow the world of finance who can explain why it is that investors would get upset with a company or, or devalue a company for being extremely profitable and growing, but not quite as much as we wanted to, whereas another company like a BlackBerry can be losing money out of every orifice, but if they lose just a little bit less money than we thought that they would – then we then we up their value. I mean, I understand this is about expectations, but I think maybe the problem isn't with the company. The problem is with the expectations. So you have a situation here where Wall Street makes a guess. As I said, the guess is wrong. Apple has to suffer. And it's not as if Apple didn't meet their own guidance, didn't have record sales, didn't do extremely well by any measurement. And once again, and this is something Apple has indicated already, There was some expectation of an iPad mini, a smaller iPad, possible refresh to the full-size iPad. So it's very possible some customers were sitting on the sidelines. I suppose that happened with the iPhone, where sales were somewhat below expectations in the June quarter because of expectations of an iPhone 5. I can totally believe that. I mean, people certainly want to get the latest and nobody wants to feel like these people who just bought the ipad 3 although frankly their product is so similar to the ipad 4 they shouldn't they wouldn't even notice but you're right nobody wants to feel like the new thing is you know has come out a month after so of course they held off so i think that they're going to have a wonderful fourth quarter especially you also have to think and i don't know how they were looking at this year over year but the third quarter is probably not a great time for any sort of luxury product because you're talking about it's like the end of the summer type of time people aren't buying gifts then people probably focused on other types of purchases at that time well one issue apple points to is the fact that k through 12 purchases for education are made in the june quarter So, obviously, the September quarter is going to be more challenged in terms of sales. Add to that, the economy is still in the doldrums. We've had some expectation of new iPad models, at least the iPad mini, and possibly a slight refresh to the full-size version. And if the current quarter's sales 
of the iPad and iPad mini are stellar. Soon they'll forget about what happened the previous quarter. Now, in the Mac market, there is going to be some situation involving constraints because of the new iMac. The first model will be distributed, the 21.5-inch version, in November, the 27-inch version in December. Apple is already warning about constrained supplies at the start. So I suppose it's possible Mac sales will come in below expectations. On the other hand, the notebooks are doing pretty well. All of those have been refreshed. Again, these products, I mean, the new refreshed products like the new MacBook Pro, which, by the way, uh, my boss, Mark Spoonauer, just reviewed and, and we, we liked it a lot, are really, really high end. I mean, if you talk about the new Mac Pro, for example, that's sixteen ninety nine to start. So I don't know. Is that going to sell it in great volume or is that going to be kind of a prosumer type of product well the 15 inch model did very very well i expect the 13 inch being more affordable will as well and remember you can still buy mac notebooks for 9.99 for the macbook air and the basic macbook pro the 13 inch version without the retina display for 11.99 avram pilch where do we find more of your stuff so you can read my uh weekly columns at laptopmag.com slash geeks geek follow me on twitter at, at geek and chief and read all of our news, including hopefully some information about Google's big announcements at LaptopMag.com. Don't forget, neighbors, you can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. And if you go to TechNightHowl.com, you can find my world-famous commentary. Abram Pilch, thank you, my friend, for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.